good evening, everyone. Uh, I want to announce, for those of you who do not know, on every Monday I speak on uh, 175-07, 73rd Avenue in uh, Fresh Meadow. It's uh, 73rd Avenue corner of 175th Street. It's a house. It's a house. And uh, it's different lecture, because this is a series of the Talmud. Over there is general topics. And uh, I, th I think they're very good lecture, because I see this great response, right? The last lecture was great. Yeah, you felt okay. Very good. Yeah, so, you know, you can also take advantage on those Mondays, if you want. And uh, also people who would watch it later, they'll know where I am, because peop many people call me. Uh, 73rd Avenue, 175-07, 73rd Avenue. Yeah, 73, 73. Okay, we're continuing our series today. I believe it's number 14. And uh, I, I uh, <coughs> continue for where we stop. We are in Masechet Yoma. And uh, last thing we spoke about, uh, if you remember last week, we spoke about the coup team that changed Alexandros to destroy the holy temple of Jerusalem. And Shimon Atzadi came with all the people with the torches, and they ended up, they turned this decision around, and they destroyed the Kutim, which was the traders that betrayed there. And the end of that was that uh, Alexandros Mokdon wanted to put his statue in Bet HaMikdash. And, uh, and Shimon Atzadi, with his brilliance, he convinced him that instead of putting a statue, I have something better for you. What is it? will call every Jewish boy that will be born this year, Alexander. And that's why you have Alexander in the Jewish uh, culture, because it's a Greek name, nothing to do with us. And we don't have any Jewish source for this name. So whenever you hear Alex, Alexander, Alexandra, remember this story. We, today we continue. We're still in Masechet Yoma. Now the Gemara is speaking about... The Gemara is speaking about Talmidei Chachamim. What is a Talmidei Chachamim? What's the right expression for that in English? It's hard to find. It's people who sit and learn Torah. This is a smart scholars, people who knows a lot of Torah. In Judaism, even you can be the chief rabbi of the world, you're still a Talmid, Talmid Chacham. That's very interesting. The expression of a knowledgeable scholar always stay a scholar. Even if you become a teacher, even if he's a teacher of teachers, they still call him a student, a Talmud, a scholar. Why? Because no matter how much you learn, you still won't get to 1% of the knowledge of the Torah. So you're always a student. You're always, it's not like the certain things in life. You finish, you're done, right? You learn A, B, C, D, F, G. You invest a few years. You, you cover everything. You know everything, every, every answer. Okay, here, whatever you know, you should know you know nothing. Okay, so we continue. The Gemara says like this. Uh, the privilege that Hashem gave to the Talmidei Chachamim, to the people who sit and learn Torah, it's very interesting that we came to this topic just in the last two weeks in Israel is boiling. The secular people in Israel are very, very anti-Torah. They hate people who sit and learn Torah, especially when the government gives them some money, you know, uh, the reason that uh, it bothers them, because it comes from the taxes that people pay. The problem is that, you know, in Israel, since it's a democracy, 
You have about 20-25% of the population are religious people. They also vote, they also pay taxes. So basically the money that the religious people pay goes in the end to the religious activities, which is just as fair. Nobody ever complains when the government gives money to the feeders, millions of dollars every month to different feeders, to all kinds of uh, you know, Broadway shows. In Israel it's called Habima, not Broadway. It's the same concept. Nobody complains that they give money to lottery, to uh, all kinds of uh, soccer games on Shabbos, uh, to help teams, local teams. They give money to sports in general. They give money to so many different things, to the blind people, to handicaps, to, you know, to war veterans. There's so many different things that the government gives money. You don't hear complaints about anything, but you always hear complaints about why they give money to yeshivot. And that's... The, the saddest thing that you can think of, the saddest. Why the saddest? Nothing can be more ungrateful than this. Everything they eat, everything they do, uh, the oxygen that they breathe comes only thanks to the Torah. Not only the people in Israel, all the people all over the world, seven billion people eat and drink and breathe thanks to the people who sit and learn Torah. It's not what I said, it's what the Torah said. The Torah said that Hashem says, thanks to them, the world is uh, reviving. I, I maintain the world thanks to the Torah. If there's no Torah, I don't need this world. Why did I make this world? Why I gave the Torah? Why I made such a show in Mount Sinai? For people to be busy with my Torah. If nobody cares about my Torah, what do I need you? I need monkeys here. What do I need? I made seven billion monkeys. What for? I need people. People is people who connect to me. It's so important, the Torah, that even a goy, a non-Jew, that sits and learns Torah seriously, is count like a Kohen Gadol. Very simple, very says. Kohen Gadol. Now, it's not, we're, not, you know, we're not talking uh, beautiful uh, stories here. We're talking halakha, this is the law. A goy that sits and learns Torah and connects to Hashem, it makes him more spiritual, what do you think? Even though his soul is different than the soul of a Jew, it still elevates him spiritually. And it's very, obviously there are some parts of the Torah that they're going not allowed to learn. We're talking general. The general stuff of the Torah, very good. So now the Gemara is speaking about the obligation of the people of every city to respect the Chachamim, the, the rabbi, the scholars that they have in their town. How, what's the obligation? Up to when? Up to how much? So this is what the Gemara say. Talmid Chacham... Bnei Iro, the people of his city, metzuvim la'asot lo melachto. They are obligated to serve him and do everything for him. Which means, if he needs to make a living, the community has to support and collect enough money to pay all his needs. If he needs a mortgage or rent, they have to pay it. If his children has to go to yeshiva and he has to pay tutors or whatever the case is, they have to pay it. Yeah, so the people of the city benefits from him, thanks to his existence there, thanks to the Torah that he learns, teaching Torah, helping people's problem. In return, they have to be grateful and pay his expenses. Uh, so it's an obligation. It's not if they want to be nice, very nice. It's an obligation. It's a Gemara in Masechet Yuma. The Gemara says, Metzuvim. Metzuvim means order. Well, that's what we say every day when we make a mitzvah. What do we say? Asher kiddishanu mitzvotav etzivanu. Sanctify us with his mitzvot and order us, command us to do this mitzvah. Command us to do that. Okay. 
There's many other things. He's dismissed from taxes, he's dismissed from going to the army. If he has a merchandise to sell, he's the first one who presented in the market. Nobody else allowed to compete with him until he's finished. When he talks, everyone has to be quiet. When he enters the place, everyone has to rise. Uh, there's a list of restrictions here and, and commands that Hashem say to respect them. Why? For their beautiful hair and eyes? What for? That they're very nice and handsome? That they went to Harvard? What got them the respect? It's not their respect. It's not the respect. If a person is a very strong man, all his life he pumped muscles, he exercised until he became the strongest in the world, people give him respect for who he is, for him, for his body, you know, he's muscular, he invested years in it. You respect him if that's who, who is your hero, so you respect him thanks to his muscle and his efforts. Over here, you don't really respect him. You respect the Torah that is in him. You understand the differences? That's why if you insulted him, if you offended him, even if he forgives you, Hashem never forgives you. It's not so simple. Kvodo eno machul. It's not him. It's the respect of the Torah. That's what make a complete different, complete different story here. So the Torah continue. However, the Torah say, who are we talking here about? Real Talmud Chacham. A real rabbi. Not uh, a fake one that make a ceremony together with a priest with a piano and a cross next to the Magen David with his mustache and his earring and his ponytail. This is clowns. This is not rabbis. They call them rabbis. You know, eat dog meat for breakfast, cheeseburger. They call themselves rabbi. The next thing you hear on the news, he, murder, he hired a hitman to, to murder his wife. And the going thing, oh, rabbi did such a thing? They don't understand. He eat monkeys for lunch. They call him a rabbi. This is nonsense. It's time to scream the truth to people to wake up. So who are we talking here about? Let's see. The Gemara says, Kol talmid chacham she'en tocho kevaro eno talmid chacham. Every smart scholar, every talmid chacham, what we call today rabbi, that is inside and outside are not equal, is not a real talmid chacham. You know, he may know a lot of things, but to be a Talmud Chacham, you have, you have to be decent. You have to be perfect. You cannot be crooked. You know, you learn Torah, you teach Torah, the next thing they find you cheating people, uh, borrowing money and not paying, uh, tricking people, taking a position on their businesses, uh, take advantage on people. That's not the way of the Torah. And tocho kevaro, the inside has to be like the outside. The outside, everyone put a show. Everyone pretend they're righteous. Even people that are not rabbis, they try to pretend that they're righteous when they go to places. But the idea is that whatever you see from the outside has to be at least equal to what you see from the inside. And if it's not, then it's not a Talmud Chacham. Abaye and Rabba Barula, two Chachamim, say not only is not a Talmud Chacham, is To'eva. You know what toeva means in English? Despicable. They call him despicable. And another place, it's not here, but I can tell you that the Gemara said, Talmid Chacham Shemidotav Raot, a scholar, a person who learns Torah, is present himself as a legit rabbi, and his midot, his traits are bad, is worse than a dead body of an animal in a market, in a street. If you see a dead cat on a street or a dead mice, you know, he's worse than them. Why? 
nobody expects from the cat to be anything important. So dead body, take it, you put it in the garbage, or you bury it. That's the end of story. You don't make a funeral for him, right? You don't sit and cry that a cat died somewhere. In China, they eat them every hour, you know, and the dogs. In Israel, all the dogs disappeared 20 years ago, when the Thailandic workers started to come, the Intifada started. So all the Arabs, you know, couldn't come to Israel. It was a war. No Arabs, you cannot do construction, you cannot have uh, people who work in a restaurant. All the physical work, the Arabs used to do it. They clean here, they clean there, they work here, they work there. No Arabs, they have to import Romanians, Thailandians. As soon as the Thailandians arrive to Israel, right away, within a week, half of the dogs disappeared. <laughs> now, you know, people that are not connected to Hashem, they have no Torah, no nothing. Their dogs is more important to them than their wife. If the wife died, they make a party. If the dog died, they depressed for five years on Prozac. That's the reality today, you know. Like that guy in, in the internet that made a bar mitzvah to his dog and bought him tefillin. You heard that or no? <laughs> Search for it, you find that fool somewhere. And he break to the camera that he made his dog a bar mitzvah. No. That's what the Torah said, before Mashiach come, some people will be worse than dogs in the way they behave, the way they look. We see it today. Baruch Hashem, we still have good people, but what's going on out there, no irat shamayim. So the Gemara continues. Oy, 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 you understand what oy is. Oy to those Talmidei Chachamim who are busy with learning Torah and they don't have fear from God. They learn, they, they follow it, they repeat it, they teach it, and they do the opposite. Speaking about you should not steal, professional cook. What's with them? They, they destroy the Torah. They are the destroyers of the Torah. They make more damage than someone from the outside. Why? If you see a secular person with a earring, or a earring here, and tattoo on his ear, and five ponytails, and all kinds of things that he comes with, you know right away to, get, to be careful for him. It's not good for my children, this type. I have to think a million times before I invite him to my house for Shabbos. He's going to sit in a table, and the next thing, who knows what he's going to say. So you're on alert. You know he's around, the kids have to be inside the house. You don't want the kids to start a conversation with him because two months later you see your son is also coming with a earring. This is the way influence works. But if you see a person come, yamaka, beard, black hat, tzitziot, like this, who knows what's inside? If it's crooked, if it's corrupted, ooh, wow, that's a very big enemy. Because this is an enemy you're not ready for. The enemies that destroy us is the one we don't define them as enemies. It's those uh, what they call liberal, that's sitting inside Israel and destroying us from inside, cooperating with the Arabs and all the anti-Semites to destroy Israel. They're calling in all kinds of places to boycott Israel, to do this, to do that. These are the biggest enemies. Hamas is an enemy. It's a puppet compared to those Jews who sit inside Israel and destroy their religion and destroy everything. They, they, they destroyed everything. That's what's going on here. They make the, 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 our society corrupted, weak, no strength. The future of Israel looks horrible. Where is the future? What, this new generation who grows today on the internet and the, all the drugs and whatever they do, 
They are going to lead our country. They're going to manage the army. They're going to be in charge of the 200 atomic bombs that we have. God forbid. These, these losers are going to sit and control 200 missiles that can destroy the whole world in one minute. They're gonna, it's going to be in their hands. This guy with his boyfriend together, sit together over there with a glass of wine. They're going to decide how, how the atomic operation would run. <laughs> how can you sleep at night? when you know it's going to be in their hands. This is what's happening today. So with them, we know not to expect. When, it's, you know, when Yaakov and Esav was born, you look at Esav, what do you expect from Esav? He's a hunter. He goes to hunt. He's not interested to sit and learn Torah. You may ask me, so why Yitzhak liked him if he's hunter? Because Yitzhak knew what we sometimes don't know. Not every person is capable of sitting and learning Torah all his life. Some people are built for it. They have the intelligence, they have the knowledge, they sharp, they have a lot of patience, their brain is functioning well. Sometimes they can, they can do it financially. There's different things that you have to check. Esav, he comes to Daf Yomi 15 minutes a day. It's already an achievement for him. What does he do? He's a hunter. But why, why Yitzchak did not throw Esav from his house like Abraham did to Ishmael. Why? It's the same story. He knew how to butter up the old man, so to speak. Yeah, so what, what's going on here? The answer... He his no, because the answer is, because according to his potential, his Yetzirah, his evil inclination, was so strong, so strong that Yitzchak felt bad for him. A person that has such a strong desire, such a strong evil inclination, Sometimes you see he's dying to be righteous, and he just can't make it. The word can't is not correct. Everybody who really wants can do it. But it's so much harder for him than for Yaakov. Yaakov, it's natural. I look at the kids. I look at the kids. I see right away one kid all day is talking Torah. Nothing else matters. You see somebody dressed like a guy. You say, ah, little kids. You see, before you even taught them about life, they already can see where they want to be, where they don't want to be. The other kid, all he cares is about games, toys, basketball, playing. You, you call him to learn, he begins to cry. Before they even realize what life is, you see, it's a different test. That's obvious. Anyway, the Torah says, Zota Torah asher sam Moshe. Well, that's what we say when we raise the Torah. This is the Torah that Moshe puts in front of the nation of Israel. The Torah says like this, Zacha. If he had the merit, it becomes a drug of life. It's like, like taking some kind of a pill and it gives you eternal life. If he did not have the merit, it became a drug of death, poison. What does it mean? A person learns to write, become poison for him? Yeah, depends who he is. If the person does it for the sake of heaven, because he wants to improve, he wants to do better, he wants to know, he wants to satisfy Hashem, he wants to teach to others, he wants to teach to his wife and children, that's become a drug of life, Sam Chaim, a medicine. If he does it for honor, for pride, for business, for money, it's good business. I'll be in charge of all the kashruyot. Everybody needs me. They pay me, that. Everywhere I go, they rise for me. This, that, this, and that. I have a driver. They give me a car. I go here. I fly first class. Baloney. All these things, it's become a poison of death. You know, one way, there was one Rosh Yeshiva. His wife was keep drilling in his head. Why are you such a fool? Why, why are you flying all the time economy? 
Fly first class, what? You run the yeshiva, you open the yeshiva, all the people who give donations, they give it because of you. You don't deserve to enjoy some of this money? You the Rosh Yeshiva. Why you have to sit like a sardine inside 11 hours? It's not respect. Sit in first class. The difference is about four times of a price. You know, it's a big difference. So he's a righteous man. And he said to his wife, my heart doesn't let me burn three, four thousand dollars every time I, fl- I fly every month that I go to lose such, so I can do so much with this in Yeshiva that I don't. I rather suffer these 11, 12 hours back and forth and not burn this money. So she said, no, 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 that's not the right way to think. No, no, whatever you deserve, you deserve. If there's not enough money, you raise more money. But you deserve this, it's not respect for the Torah. Believe me, she has a whole case built. So ignoring her, ignoring her, ignoring her, one time, he gets lucky. The, the customer service from Elal, they called his name, Sir, we have a place in the first class and you deserve an upgrade. You have mileage, you flew you know, every month here for, for a long time, so you are the person who can get the seat. Are you interested? He said, yeah, I'm interested. So they changed his ticket, now he's going for free on first class. No upgrade charge. So he's thinking, like everybody else would think, you see how great is Hashem? I didn't push it like she say. Hashem gave it to me for free. Oh, you need to worry so much. He went into first class, bed, this, that, you know. Baruch Hashem, you have a peace of mind. You can learn quietly. Don't get up every second. So, the next time, we say in Hebrew, with the food comes the appetite. You're full. As soon as you taste from the steak, you become hungry. So... What happened is that, uh, you know, after he enjoyed the, the, the flight so much, next time he comes, next time he comes, so, you know, he already demand. He comes to them, do you have an upgrade maybe for me? You know, I'm flying with you every month to America. So she checks, she says, yeah, we have one spot, no problem, here is your ticket. Baruch Hashem, very nice. Why to pay thousands of dollars if I can get it for free? Fair time. He cannot live without it. So he comes there. She says, sir, today I'm very sorry. The flight is booked. It's completely packed. We cannot upgrade you. No, no, no. Talk to, talk to the manager. Let me speak to the manager. He doesn't believe her. They bring the manager. He checks. Eh, nothing. He, can get, he cannot get a first class. So he's very upset. Oh, going back to be an economy. Ah, it's depressed. They call up the people to get on a plane. He comes on a plane. He goes through the first class people. Then one of them comes to him, Rabbi, Rabbi, hi, hi, finally I meet you in person. Who are you? He tells him his name. Oh, he's a billionaire. He's a very famous uh, philanthropist. He gives money to all the yeshivot, this guy. And his student is learning in the yeshiva of that rabbi in Israel, in Jerusalem. He's an American guy, big businessman. So he said to the, to the rich guy, you know, I'm, thank God I have a chance to see you in person, but can I ask you a question? I send you so many times a letter with your son, with a mail, that the yeshiva is struggling financially, and you're helping so many other yeshiva. Why don't you help the yeshiva of your son? 
It comes before other yeshivot. So he said to him, the truth is, when I got your first letter, I prepared right away a check for $10,000 to be mailed to you. Just when I was about to leave the office, one person that came to me to collect money, he told me, I know this rabbi. If I would be you, I would think twice before I send him a check. He's flying first class. You want to give your money to people who use it for first class, or you want to give them to people who use it for the Torah? But now, in my own eyes, I see that it's a lie. It's Lashonara, it's a lie. I see you going to academy, I'm wait until I'm going to get this guy. That was true. He flew first class. <laughs> he wasn't lying, that guy. So he said, but now since I see in my own eyes, hold on one second. Take out his checkbook from his wallet. He wrote him a check for the last six years that his son is in yeshiva, 10,000 a year. Gave him a check, $60,000. He almost fainted. In the whole trip that he has, he collects 15,000. After running a month from here, there, people, meeting, offices, traffic, one check, $60,000. He could have turned around and come back. So he comes home, he says to his wife, you see, when you get an upgrade for first class, you pay for it. You think it's for free, but you pay for it. Every, every pleasure you get in this life, there's a price for it. Whether you think you got it for free or not, you're a fool. Whatever you get here, Hashem takes away from your Lama Abba, what do you think? Ah, you didn't get it here. You'll get it there, much bigger. Don't worry, there's no, no discrimination. Everyone gets what they deserve. There's, that's why there's no place for jealousy. Jealousy, it's very stupid, stupidity. Jealous with what? Hashem wanted you to get right now. Tomorrow he will get. The next day you will get. It's, it's timing, it's all about timing. Everyone gets what they deserve. You get what you earn. If you work three hours and your friend worked five hours and he makes $50 and you only make $30 because he worked three hours, you're jealous with your friend? You could have stayed two more hours and have the money. It's nothing to be jealous. It's what I deserve. That's how it goes. So, if he doesn't have the merit, it becomes a poison. That's what destroys him. Why people think it's important, this, that. The day that they find out that he's, he's a crook, that he's all a fake, Oh, what's going to be? Such a chilul Hashem. No, the Gemara continue. The Gemara says like this. The Gemara says like this. Irat Hashem The purity, the fear of Hashem, fear, it's always combined with respect together, not fear from getting a punch. You see a person that is important, you fear him and you fear his position. It's a combination of fear and respect together. That's every time the Torah says ira, it's a combination of both together. You have to fear the punishment, it's called irata onesh. But there's another kind of ira, it's called irata romemut. You see, an old mighty, an important, uh, even a judge, a big chacham, you get the goosebumps. Oh, wow, what an important person. Right away, you behave different next to him. That's called irata romemut. So the Torah says irata Hashem teora omedet laad. Fear of Hashem, it's pure. Teorah, omedet la'ad, is standing still for eternity. La'ad means forever. Amara bichanina ze'alomet Torah betahara. Who gets it? Who gets this eternity? Someone who sits and learns Torah with purity. Purity means it's ta'or. Not learning Torah and do all these millions of sins every day. It's the same time. 
So, what does it mean betahara? The Gemara gives the main example that he's married to a woman and then he learns Torah. What's the difference of a single guy who learns Torah, is 18 years old, not married, and a 19 years old that is married and learns Torah? The Torah of the 19 years old that is married is much more pure than the 18 years old. Why? Because the 18 years old, since he's not married, he has desire for ladies, he's thinking about the ladies, sometimes he's wasting seeds, and not intentionally, all kinds of sins like this. That's making a defect on his Torah. That's decreasing the level of his Torah. But someone who has a wife, is no, no reason to go to make sins. Why should he make sins? Yeah, he, has, he has his wife. The wife, a part of the things, the, so many great things that our wife does for us, one of the things, they save us from the sin. If a person has a wife, his chance to make sins are lower. Even though today people are crazy, and sometimes it doesn't make sense the way they behave. They have the most beautiful wife, and they go and they cheat with some kind of who knows garbage. You don't understand the logic here. But common sense that a person that has a wife, no, he, he, he should be satisfied in his life. That's why the Torah said, this is a Gemara in Masechet Yoma. The Gemara says, First he gets married, now he can focus on the Torah. This, the truth, it was true 2,000 years ago. When people used to live in a cabin, they take a few pieces of wood, in five hours they make themselves a home, you don't have heat, you don't have electric, you don't have air conditioning, you don't have cars, you don't have insurance, you don't have health insurance, you don't have this. You don't have 99% of the expenses you have today. No credit cards, no shopping, no malls. The wife, even if she wants to drive you crazy, she will tell you, why you only gave me three cases today instead of five? That's the headache that you will have. She is not going to drive you crazy. Why you have a car and I don't have? Why you buy yourself a suit and I cannot? Why didn't you buy me my diamond for the anniversary? You know, they have a list of demands. Why don't you help me with the kids? Why are you going to learn Torah? I'm alone here at the house. Why you don't help me with the baby all the time? Why are you only learning all Torah? You only care about the Torah? Everyone with this problem. So the guy say, you know what? Hashem, take me. <laughs> Save me today. But in the old days, 2,000 years ago, what did the wife have to do? She's home. She's raising the kids. There's no, not that much of a thing. You bring some food home, some tomatoes you have in your backyard. Cucumbers you have. Wheat, you get wheat, you make bread by yourself. You have a donkey. That's the way the life was. That's it. You didn't have, you need fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 just to survive in New York State. You didn't have that. <laughs> it's the state of the millionaires. In order for you to not to starve here, you have to make half a million dollars a year to raise your children here. It's crazy what's going on here. What the average New Yorker spends in a month, he can live five years in Africa with this money. Five years. Five years, yeah. May you have some lice, maybe. No air, con air condition makes noise. Fine. But it's five years. Anyway. So it says like this. No seisha, don't get me wrong, today a person is tested how he behaves to his wife. This Rabbi Chaim Vital says, if a person makes chesed to all the world and not to his wife, it doesn't count anything. First, his wife and his children. Then comes the rest of the world. And a, a person can take every minute of his time to help his wife, especially when the wives are very weak, this generation. They're very spoiled and they're very weak. They're not strong as the grandmothers. 40, 50 years ago, 
11, 12 years old, she was running the whole world already. Raising, holding one baby here, holding another baby, carried the donkey to the market, putting bags, cut animals, meat, cutting it, making bread, laundry, she goes to the lake. That's how the life was. Today, three dishwasher, first floor, second floor, and third floor. Uh, <laughs> a couple came to see my house. They want to buy a house in my area. So they come to see the house. The first thing the woman said to my wife, oh, the laundry room, the laundry room is in the second floor. Ah, I don't like it. First thing I'll do, I'll make another laundry room in the basement. <laughs> you throw everything through a pipe. And it goes all the way down. That's the first thing that she's worried about. God forbid that she doesn't have to take some clothes that the kids bring and to go to the second floor. You understand what we're living in? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, anyway, so, okay, we continue. So the, the Gemara says like this, Nehemanahi, the Torah is faithful to testify about the learners. If you learn, comes the Torah, an angel is in charge of the Torah, and he say, I'm testifying for this person that all he did in his life, he learns Torah, he was pure, he loved the Torah, and he did it for the sake of heaven. Or God forbid, the opposite. The Torah continues, the Gemara, Duduranami 8, Dvarim 8, this is a verse. man bamidbar, God says, I fed you man in the desert. Leman anotcha. To torture you. Why? What's the problem? Chazal said that the man had delicious flavors. Whatever you imagine, this is the test. So the answer is not everybody had that privilege. The righteous people, they, they tasted whatever they wanted. The wicked people had to go and collect. And it wasn't so good. It's eating popcorn for 40 years. Even if you may have good taste, there's nothing to bite. You don't really feel the food when it melts in your mouth like this for 40 years. So they complain about it, as you can see. So Hashem said, what do you think I did it? I couldn't give you steaks. I could give you steaks every day. I can give you different food every day. Well, I'm, I'm limited. I can give you every day. Today Chinese, tomorrow Bukharian, the next day Persian, the next day McDonald's, whatever you want. Shish kebab, this, that, sushi. You just name it, and I'll serve it to you. What's the, Hashem doesn't have problems. The idea is, no, it's a test. Here we see, leman anotcha, to see how you react. Rabbi Ami Rabbi Asi says, someone who has a bread in his basket is not the same like someone who doesn't have bread. Which means, there are a few explanations to this. One is, you have real bread. You have bread, you know what you have what to eat in the next few hours, you can focus on the Torah, you're not worried to starve. Someone who still doesn't have the bread, his mind is on the bread, not on the Torah. Second explanation is someone who has a girl and someone who doesn't have a girl. If he has a wife, it's called like he has a bread in his basket. He doesn't have to worry. He has a wife, I go home, I have a wife, I don't have to go and look for shiduch all the time. Will I get married? Will I not get married? Will her parents like me? Will they help me? Will they agree? Where are we going to make the wedding? Where are we going to live? You know, there's no end to the thinking of all these guys before they get married. So, you're already behind it, Baruch Hashem. And the Gemara continues, someone who sees what he eats and someone who doesn't see what he eats is not the same. Remember I told you last week, make an experiment. Close your eyes and your, and your nose and taste. Coke, orange soda, Sprite, seltzer, 
any kind of flavors that you want, you feel all of them the same taste. Why? You eliminate your smell and your taste and your uh, eyes, you don't feel any taste anymore. That's it, no taste. It's all taste like the same taste. Cannot tell the difference. Very interesting. So you see that seeing the food, it's affecting the brain in such a way that you're enjoying the food much better. That's why the Torah said that a blind person is like a dead person. Why is like a dead person? He's not connected to reality. He doesn't see colors. He doesn't see letters. He doesn't see. He cannot see anything in his life. So he's like disconnected from reality. Even food he cannot enjoy. You may think, okay, you cannot see, but at least you enjoy the food. Even food is not enjoying. The Gemara says, the Gemara continue. The Gemara says like this. I just realized something very interesting that uh, we went back accidentally to previous time and we actually did a lot more. We actually already arrived to Masechet Sukkah. But Baruch Hashem, none of you felt it. You should have told me that in the first minute. But uh, the reason it's happening because I recorded today 20 lectures already. I went to a studio. I recorded 20 lectures, short lectures, in different topics. My mind is bummed. With so much things that went through, I took you back almost a month. But that's okay, we'll skip right now to where we are. But this is the beauty of the Torah. The more you learn it, you still enjoy it, doesn't matter. Yeah. Okay, anyway, we continue. So the Gemara says like this. Now the Gemara is speaking about, about Rabbi Eliezer, Maaseber Rabbi Eliezer, Sheshavat Bagalil Elion. He went to the Galil, Galilee in Israel, to the north. For Shabbos, they asked him 30 halachot in the laws of Sukkah. 30 different halachot, that is very difficult because it's a big chacham. 12 he answered them. 18 he told them, I don't know. 12 I, I heard the answers. 18 I did not hear. Rabbi Yossi said the opposite. 18, he answered. 12, he didn't know. Either way, some he knew, some he didn't know. He told him, isn't it everything you told us ever, all the Torah you learn is all from the Shmuah, it's all from word to mouth, from Moshe Rabbeinu all the way to now? He told them, you are forcing me to say something I didn't plan. No, what is it? Nobody ever came to the yeshiva in my whole life before me. Let's say the yeshiva starts, today it starts 9 o'clock, after you finish, shachrit, breakfast, this, 9.30, you start the day. In their days, it was 4, 5, 6 in the morning, you already learned, it's no jokes. Okay. Because remember, people also went to sleep earlier. There's no electric. People go to sleep. You go to sleep, you wake up early. The rooster, there's no alarm. The rooster makes noise. Sunrise, 5.30, you're up on your feet. The rooster doesn't let you sleep. You know the noise of the rooster in a, in 5 in the morning? Try it once. You see how loud it is. So you have to get up. <laughs> so he says to them, okay, you're forcing me. In other words, I didn't want to brag, but now you're asking me, Allah, I have to answer you. So they, they ask him, how can it be that you don't know? Well, 
Isn't it everything you ever said is coming from your rabbis that gathered from their rabbis? It's, it's like a chain. So he said, nobody ever came to the yeshiva before me ever in my life. Ever. And this is, if he say ever, means ever. It's not a joke here. Next thing he says, no, never in my life I, had, I took a nap in the yeshiva, like I dozed or fell asleep. I was very alert. If I was tired, I go out and sleep outside. But I never slept on a table or anything in the yeshiva. Never in my life. Not even shnat aray, not even few minutes. I never left the yeshiva where there were more people there. I always the last one to leave. If there were more people there, I never left. I was the first one who came and the last one who leaves. I never spoke in my life one secular conversation. Everything whoever came out of my mouth in my whole life was all Torah. Never spoke about anything else. How's the weather? How is your wife feeling? Is she feeling better? She's okay. How's the baby? How, your mother, she's okay. Your father, they're coming. They're coming to visit. How long you haven't been in Israel? It's not a sin to talk. I never wasted my words on things like this. Everything I talked about was Torah, my whole life. And now he comes to the punchline. That's what they ask him. And I never ever say something that came out of my own opinion. Everything I ever say came from my rabbis. So if I told you I didn't hear, I didn't hear. That means they didn't tell me. They ask you very hard questions. And that's the greatness of a holy people. When they don't know, they say, I don't know. I once said in one of my lectures a few years ago, a person that starts learning Torah is very impressed from the knowledge of Rashi. Rashi explained almost every word in the Torah. So, explain hard things. Never understand without him. Without Rashi, I can't see how we swim without him. But there are very few places, you can count on one or two hands, that Rashi wrote, this one I did not know. I don't know why the Torah say it. I don't know why he repeated it twice. He said a few times, Zo lo yadati, velo yadati ma perusho. I don't know why he brought it here. Or I don't know what's the connection. From the few times that he wrote, I don't know, it indicates that every other thing that he say is 100% knowledge. No guessing, no nothing. Why? Over here he could also guess. <laughs> That's the problem. And make yourself perfect. I only say when I'm 100% sure. If you say a few times, I didn't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't understand, that means this is the only times, the five or the ten times that you see in the entire Torah and, and, and Shas and Talmud, everything, that's the only few times he didn't know. Why? He's human. After all, he's a man. He's not, a, he's not Hashem. Only Hashem knows everything. But this is showing us the brilliance of these people. Every verse in the Torah, he explains, you know what's going on here? Without contradiction. Amazing. No, so that's what Rabbi Eliezer said. Tanur Abanan, 80 students Hillel Azaken had. Later he became the president of the Sanhedrin. Hillel was very poor. You know the story with him. He was standing on a roof to listen to Torah, and the snow came all night on his head, and until he almost froze to death, and they made fire on Shabbat to save his life. This is Hillel. 80 students, 80 scholars learning by him in his yeshiva. 30 of them 
deserve to have the spirit of Hashem just like Moshe had, Moses had. That's their level. How a spirit of Hashem came on Moshe's face light up, sparkling face, sparks coming out from Moshe's face, Karan or Panav. That's how they deserve to have. 30 of them deserve to, to make this, the earth and the sun pause like Joshua ben Nun, like Joshua did. Shemesh begivon dom v'yareach be'emek ha'yalon. And 20 of them are mediocre. They half, like half deserve what Moshe had, half deserve like Joshua. They're in, the, in between. We wish to be a million of it, but okay, no, so... The greatest one among them is Yonatan ben Uziel. We have the Targum in the Tanakh, Targum Yonatan. That's Yonatan ben Uziel. He's buried in Amuka in Israel, under Tzfat, in the bottom of the hill. He has a special grave there, okay. They say that someone who comes to pray in his grave get a Shiduch, getting married. No, it's worth to try. Katan Shebekulam, the lowest one in his level, who Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakai? In case you didn't know, he was the president of Israel in the destruction of the Second Temple. Shelo iniach. Now they're talking about the lowest one from the eighty, the lowest one. Listen good what he knew. Lo iniach mikra. He knew the entire Chumash by heart, the whole Torah, Bereshit bara Elokim, until Ene Kol Israel. He can tell you the whole Torah by heart, by heart, word by word. Don't be so impressed. I know kids in Israel that know most of the Torah by heart. 11, 12 years old already. The system that they learn in some of the yeshivot there, they repeat it, repeat it a hundred times until they know every chapter by heart. Kids, in my own eyes I saw. Hard to believe. Age 11, 12, they can tell you the whole parasha. I once went to upstate to a seminar, and they call up one Bukharian guy to be a Baal Koreh. He prepared, all week he's preparing for the parasha. The poor guy didn't do such a good job. Every second word he made a mistake. People who don't speak fluent Hebrew, it's very hard for them to learn to become Baal Koreh. It's not, it's not natural. It's something that you have to force yourself to learn. It's difficult. Especially if you didn't grow up with that in yeshiva. You later became religious, it's even harder. So first aliyah, the aliyat Kohen, this guy maybe made 20 mistakes. But you know, the more you make mistakes, the more you lose your confidence. Because people have to correct you. They have no choice. They have to correct you. It's the halakha. Then they call a Levi. They ask any Levi. There was an old Syrian guy. He wasn't supposed to be in a Shabbaton. He is a friend of the owner of the hotel. It used to be the Homorak Hotel in upstate New York. I think it was sold to different people. That's where the religious people used to make weekends. So they called up that Syrian guy because he's a Levi, Levi. So he called him up to the Torah. So since he went up to Torah, he saw that this guy will not know how to do a good job. So he asked him permission to read his Aliyah. They saw how beautiful he read without preparing. Not one mistake. Beautiful. He knows also all the Tamim. He doesn't need someone to make him signs. Everything by heart right away. So right away, the one who was in charge, he asked the Bukharian guy, please forgive us. Maybe you mind if we let him continue to read. So this guy... He felt it's his lucky day. He got saved. <laughs> another, another hour to read with mistakes. So he got saved. So they let the Syrian guy read the whole parasha. He read everything without one mistake. Of course. Then, 
Here comes the punchline. After the Torah, what do we have? Aftara. Aftara is from the Navi. Who knows Aftara by heart? Aftara of the parasha. So now, they call up, he read Maftir, and now they give an aliyah to somebody, and that somebody has to read the Maftir. He has to read, because he made a brachot. So I, I was looking at these guys, maybe he was 70 years old, standing like this, look, looking at the window like this. The guy that reads is behind him, the Torah is right here, he goes like this, he looks at the window. Now this guy begins to read, he has the book in his, book, in his hand. Every, the Haftarah is even harder than the Torah, it's hard words, very hard words of the prophets. Almost every, every second he makes a mistake. So he was standing over here, after maybe two or three verses, he started to tell him. He said, repeat after me. So he's telling him the Haftarah, and this guy listened to what he said by heart. The whole Navi! Everything by heart. In my own eyes, I saw. That's it. When you grow like a kid, it stays in your hand. My, my wife's grandfather, when he was 17, 18 years old, was a rabbi already. Smicha, officially. Close to the end of his life, he got Alzheimer. We didn't remember his name even. But pages of Gemara, he never forgot. Which Gemara are you learning? <laughs> start to say a few words, he start to repeat. Alts, he doesn't, you tell him something, you know. You can, an Alzheimer person, Lo Alenu, God forbid if his son died, let's say. The police come to his house, Sir, we have bad news, we found your son dead, Lo Alenu. So what happened to him? Oh, no! Can I serve you with tea? That's what happened. Five seconds later, they don't remember what they just heard. So, they don't, they said, really, they don't, I don't know, they don't suffer in a way. Because whatever happened, you tell them this guy died, so they cry for a minute, and then they go, they move a little bit, they forgot what happened. So they say, can I serve you with tea? Now they brought you the tea, you're drinking the tea, they ask you again, can I bring you tea? The brain doesn't work. But the Gemara, from 70 years ago, he, was, he remembered. Amazing, no explanation. Okay, Rabbi Yochanan, no. So he knows Mikra, all the Mikra. All the Mishnah he knows. All the Mishnayot, no? All the Talmud, Gemara. All the Masachtot, Gemara, everything he knows. All the Halakha, Halachot. Every Halakha in every subject you ask him, he knows. Hagadot, all the Midrashim. Midrash Rabbah, Midrash Tanchuma, all these extra hidden secrets of the Torah, everything he knows. Dikdukei Torah, this, the thinnest kinds of information in the Torah, everything he knows. Dikdukei Sofrim, all the halachot from Chachamim, what the rabbis decrees, what they made, what they learned from this pasuk, from that pasuk, Alvachomer, needless to say, if this is the way it is, that it has to be that way, all the... The Yukim of the Chachamim, he knew everything. Gzerot Shavot, he knows how to do Gzera Shava. What is Gzera Shava? There's 400 Gzerot Shavot in a Torah. What does it mean? There are 400 times that you can learn from one verse into another in a Torah, which means if the Torah has a specific word, and in another place in a Torah, this word repeat in a different verse, they knew which verses connect one to another, and, and the laws that apply to this verse, same laws apply to the other verse because there's a mutual word. There's a lot to know. 
It's not so, <laughs> believe me, you can learn today seven years until you know how to learn all the Gzerot Shavot. Very difficult, very difficult. He knew all the Gzerot Shavot, no? He knew how to do the Tkufot, the whole calendar by heart. There's no calendar yet, remember, the calendar was written after his time by the grandson of Hillel. So he can tell you from now, let's see, somebody come and ask me, I can tell you next month, the next month when Rosh Chodesh is going to be, when the Molad is going to be with the math. I can tell you all the future months, what day it's going to fall, Rosh Chodesh, and this month, that month, that month, where it's going to be, according everything. Here, the grandson of Hillel wrote us the calendar, 17, 1800 years, we use this calendar. Every day, almost 2,000 years, brilliant calendar. I once say, a person that sees the calendar and doesn't become religious is not a fool, is not even a person. How can it be you see such a thing and you're not impressed? person wrote the entire calendar, it's all with, is human? Something like this is human? It's way above human. So he knew all the tkufot, all the gematrias, gematrias, all the numeric values of the words. Numeric values, you know what numeric values? Every word, he knows this, the, 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 the number of this word, 156 plus this, it gives us this. I give you an example. Uh, Yitzchak and Rivka and Hashem together, 541, Gimatria, numeric value, Israel. Yitzchak that marry Rivka, together with Hashem, because the three partners in a marriage, Hashem and the Chatan and the Kalah, all three of them, Yitzchak in numeric value, Rivka in numeric value, Hashem is 26, Yudke Vavke, together 541, Gimatria, Israel. Now, I'll give you another example, if we already mention it. In Shabbat, after Birkot HaShachar, if you count how many verses we have in a prayer of Shabbat, it's much longer than the weekday. How many verses, how many psukim, from the beginning of the prayer, until we say, Baruch et Hashem Amvorach, how many verses we have? 515 verses. 515 psukim, numeric value, Yitzchak and Rivka. That's why the last verse in the prayers of Shabbat, before we say Baruch et Hashem Amvorach, what is he speaking about? Yitzchak and Rivka. Besiftei Sharim Titbarah, Besiftei Tzadikim Titkadash, all these psukim that we say, if you look at the second letter, it gives abbreviation Yitzchak and Rivka. So the last verse, it's Yitzchak and Rivka together. Numeric value, 5.15. From the Baruch until we start praying Shmona Yisrael, the last word, Baruch Atah Hashem, Ga'al Yisrael, Hashem Sfatai Tiftach, right? This is what we do. How many verses? 26. 515 verses plus 26 verses, all together, 541 verses, numeric value, Israel. What's the last word before we start the Shmona Yisrael? Baruch Atah Hashem, Ga'al Yisrael. You understand? If you take one word away from the tefillah, you ruin all the secrets. Now you understand why it's so important to, to pronounce it correctly, to read it correctly, not to skip words, not to come late to shul, that you have to cut half of the davening because you're missing all the secrets. People don't understand. They think they just read requests. No, 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 my friend. There's so much to know. I have a genius sitting next to me every morning in Shachrit. An Ashkenazi guy, Rabbi Eliyahu, his name, a computer. 
everything you show him, I don't know, he has some gift from Shamaim. He looks at it right away, he begins to show you all the secrets. Mamash, not human. He wrote a contrast. It's so complicated, believe me, to understand one page, you have to sit a week. How, how many times this war appear in the Torah? How many times this letter? Why this war appear in the Torah? 17 times. What does it signify? It's a whole science. You, go, you can't believe it. Sometimes I stare with my mouth open for 15 minutes from what he says. People have no idea what Judaism is. They have no idea. They smash the Torah. They criticize the Torah. They don't know one word to read from the Gemara. And they have the nerve to say things against the Torah. How can it be? So Rabbi Yochanan knew. Then he knows the language of Malachi Asharet, the angels in heaven. He understands their language. No. He understands the language of the demons. Apparently it's a different language. He understands the language of the trees. What language the trees have? The trees speak. You don't believe me? I'll prove to you. Two proofs I give you. The Gemara say, when you chop a tree, the screams of the tree go from one side of the wall to the other. So why can't we hear anything? Because our ear is programmed to listen to certain frequencies. Certain things that we don't hear, the animals hear. Sometimes you see the, 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 the dog or the cat jumping, getting nervous, looking around. They see things that we cannot see, and they hear things that we cannot see. If you ever want to get rid of mosquitoes in the summer, you have an electric device that costs $10, $20. You plug it in, no more mosquitoes. What's the secret? Do you ever think what an electrical device has to do with mosquitoes? What's the connection? The answer is they have a red button. What is it? Demo. Hit the red button, you hear such a whistle, it rips your ears away to pieces. So loud, you cannot, hold, you cannot stand. You have to hold your hand, to lift your hand. Why is it? This is what they hear. That's why they're running away. This is designed in a frequency for the ears of the animals, of the flies, of the, all the, the, the flies that comes around. Once they hear that whistle, they get so scared from what's going on, they run away. You could not hear it. You can only listen. If you press the button, he changed it to the frequency of a human ear. Now you hear what they hear. Now they don't hear anything when you press the red button. Hold the, the red button two minutes, you see how the mosquitoes come all over the, the light. Why? Because you stopped it. This is how it is. Same thing, seeing things. So that's why sometimes the camera detects souls. You take a picture of someone, oh, you develop the picture, like in my lecture, Life After Life. You see images of dead people, spirits. Yeah, I cannot see it. But the camera works in a different frequency. The camera detects it. There's many examples. So the Gemara says when you chop the tree, he screams or go from one side of the world to the other. Russian scientists published in a Russian mag magazine, science magazine, they wrote that they made an experiment cutting carrots and celery and plugged electric device into it with flashlight. And when they were cutting, they're chopping the celery and the carrots, the light was going on and off, and they displayed the light on the other side of the room. That's how much energy they created to turn the light on and off. We don't hear anything, but they make a certain thing. Also, they burn boiling water on a plant. There's a plant. 
you burn, and they connected all kinds of devices, and you hear the screaming of the plants, how the plants is suffering from the boiling water. Then, a week later, they came to do the same experiment when the plant saw the face of the person who spilled the boiling water, he started to scream every time he was entered to the room. No, no! We don't hear anything. Why we don't hear? If you hear when you chop a tree that the tree is screaming, help, 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 have mercy on me, you won't have where to live. <laughs> Everyone will be on the street. Why are you on the street? Why you don't have a home? You crazy? I'm vegetarian. <laughs> the vegetarian, they don't want to eat meat because they don't want the animals to suffer. Some of them, right? So now, we cannot buy or build houses, right? Every house, it's wood. No, 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 no. We, well, how are you going to heat the house? How are you going to build anything? How are you going to have a table? How are you going to have a bench, chairs? Life cannot go on without it. That's why we don't hear it. One scientist told me in one of the lectures, I agree with you 100%, and the proof that you write, which means the Gemara, is that if you go to the forest, you see that the trees, even though there's thousands of trees, and the trees expand, and more and more, they become wider and wider, they never hit each other. You don't see they collide. It's like the, 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 branches, the branches that expands over the years, another feet and another feet, they go in a space one between the other. They don't touch, they don't collide. But if you, put it at, if you plant a tree next to your home, and the siding of your home is also wood, but dead wood, it's not connected to a root, it's all dead wood, the tree will make a hole in the foundation of your house. How come they collide, wood and wood? This is wood and this is wood, because one is dead. He doesn't talk. Move to the right, I move to the left. They communicate. That's how they know. I'm going to go to the right and you're going to go to the left. Otherwise, they collide. And many other examples. I'll give you another example. If you want to, to grow grapes, you know, grapes is like a bush that is holding to the fence or to the wall. It's, yeah, it's expensive. It doesn't have a real hard uh, branch. It's very soft. So when it starts, when you put the seeds in the ground, how does it know where to go to, to climb? How does it know? There's a fence right here, and there's no fence in the other side. It always will grow and expand to the right side. It doesn't expand to the other side. Let's say the other side is grass, and the other side is your house, right, that have bricks. It would know to go to the right side and climb on a, on a thing. You see, they have eyes. They can see. You don't believe me, make an experiment. Take any plants, soft plants, they need a wood, a piece of stick. You stick it in the ground and they climb on a stick. Put the stick one feet north. Come back after a week, you see how it goes towards the stick. Take out the stick, put it on the other side. Come another week, you see how it turns around. No, live. They live, what do you think? That's what the Gemara says. This is a big discovery here. This is 2,000 years ago before the Russian scientists published. What does it say? Rabbi Yochanan knows the language of the trees. He understands how the trees communicate. No. Then, all kinds of meshalim, analogies, Maaseh Merkava, the highest things in the Torah, the biggest Kabbalah, the highest Kabbalah he knows, Maaseh Merkava. Can we come back as a 
As a girl goes, can we come back as a tree? Can we come back as a tree? Yeah. There's all kinds of Gilgulim. One of them is Domem, which is trees, plants, things like that. Then, the Torah says like this, What's all this for? Hashem says, it's in Mishlei, it's a book of Mishlei, King Solomon 8, Mishlei 8. I'm going to inherit to my righteous children that listens to me and obey my rules and learn my Torah, yes. What's yes? Yes, it's numeric value 310. There are 310 worlds, worlds that every righteous Jew going to inherit after his death, from one world to another, and they are the biggest spiritual pleasure you can dream on. There's no way to even describe it in words in this physical world. 310. I constantly feel their treasures. They'll never miss anything. So the Gemara says, if the smallest one from the 80 students of Hillel Azaken is like this, it's needless to say the level of all the others. So the Gemara finished with one sentence. Yonatan ben Uziel, Yonatan ben Uziel, that's the greatest one of the 80, while he was learning Torah, the birds that are flying above his head were burning from the holiness of his learning. That's the full, a dead, burned bird is falling on the ground around him. That's an analogy to, to explain to you how, what level of Torah these people had. We are like a joke compared to them. So what's the good news? The good news is, that Hashem judge us according to the level of the generation. We learn a few hours a day, compared to seven billion people out there, we are very holy compared to them. Compared to Rabbi Yochanan, maybe we can be the shoelace of Rabbi Yochanan, maybe, if we're lucky. But, uh, but compared to all the ignorance that are walking out there, no, we are good. We participate in lecture. We come once a week, twice a week. Some of us every, every day. Some of us learn five hours a day. Some of us is Avrechei Kolel, 10, 11 hours a day. No, compared to Rabbi Yochanan, is a joke. Ah, but compared to the situation, internet, Facebook, Shmeisbook, Twitter, that, and sit and learn Torah, don't have television at home, devote your life for the Torah, wah you consider somebody very important. The Gemara say, when there is an eclipse, the sun disappeared. What does it mean? The moon goes between earth and the sun. So you don't see the light of the sun. It's a bad sign for the whole world. Some tragedies are on the way. Hurricanes, earthquakes, tsunamis. Check in the history, you see. Every time there was an eclipse. Ronald Reagan died within two, three days there was an eclipse. When who? Ronald Reagan. So the eclipse, when the sun disappeared, it's bad for the whole world, Jews and non-Jews, for the whole world. No. What is it like, the Gemara say? Like a king that made a party to all his servants, and he put a light in front of them, flashlight. Ka'asa melech no, so he put a flashlight like this in front of them. Then they block it. So the king got angry at them. So he told his, one of his servants, take the light away from them and make them sit in the darkness. 
So taking the light away, it's a sign that Hashem is angry at the whole world. That's one thing. No? Rabbi Meir said, when both of them, it's a sign, it's a bad sign for Israel. When the moon also disappeared, since we go by the moon, the Rosh Chodesh, it's a bad sign for the Jews. Mashal sofer sefer, like a person who went to school with a whip in his hand. The Rebbe, the Rebbe comes to school with a whip. In the old days, they used to hit people on their hands if they don't learn good, like they do in Iran today. Pak, pak, pak. After once or twice, believe me, you learn. Sit like this. You don't need the riddling. Sit like this all day. So it's effective. People have no choice. They have to listen. Why? You don't listen, it hurts. Today, they beat up the Rebbe. Be quiet, old man. That's how they talk to them in school. What are you going to do? I'm going to tell the principal. We send you home for a week. Yeah, just dare to leave the room. You see what I'm going to do to your car. <laughs> he has to teach all these future gangsters. 12, 13 years old, the, 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 the Rebbe makes in his pants. He's afraid of them. Not the Rebbe, the teachers. And yeshiva is not as bad. Good kosher yeshivot. They give a lot of respect to the Rebbe. They don't call him by his name. You know, they rise when he comes, and many other examples. Yeah? When you said when it's sun becomes hiding by the moon and opposite, it's like Hashem becomes like angry. It's, that, it's time of judgment. Time of judgment to the world. Yeah. Like we have certain times in the year that it's time of judgment. So it's not like because it becomes angry or not. No, no, no. It's a time of judgment to the world. Now it's time to get the punishment that we deserve when it's happened. That's a bad sign that something is about to happen. So they, when, they, when a rabbi comes with a whip, who is worried from the whip? The good kids or the bad kids? The bad kids. The good kid is not worried. Like I ask my son, you get into trouble in school? He's a good boy. He said, no, no. I say, did the rabbi ever get upset at you? Give you a punishment? He said, no, not to me. He did to this kid, to that kid, but not to me. So he's not worried, because he didn't feel it yet. After he gets one smack on his head or get a punishment, believe me, the next time when the Rebbe comes, he's also going to be worried. That's how it works. So it says like this. The kids that are used to it, they get worried. Tanura Banan, when there's a clip of a sun, it's a bad sign for the goyim that bow down to the sun. When the moon disappeared, it's a bad sign for Israel. Why? The moon, the goyim are connected to the sun, the Jews connect to the levana, to the, to the moon. If it's come from the east side, it's a bad side to the people of the eastern side of the world. If it comes from the west side, you see it on the other side of the world, it's a bad side for the part of the west. If it's in the middle, it's a, it's a bad sign for the entire world, it's going to affect the whole world. If you see the sun become like blood, it's a sign that the war is about to start somewhere. If it go to sack, I don't know what it means, I don't understand this word, but if you see an image of the sun that it's like it's lesak, whatever that means, that means hunger will come to the world. If it's both, you know, then it's going to be a war that, that also followed by hunger, which usually that's the case. Then uh, the Gemara says like this, there's no 
nation that is dismissed from all these signs. It's affecting everyone. But when Hashem punished the nation, He punished their God with them. Which means if they bow down to the sun, in a way it's connected. As the, for instance, in Egypt, they worship the Nile. And they also worship the sheep. What did Hashem do? Made the Nile all blood and made the sheep, the Jews take the sheep and sacrificed it, right? Tie it to the bed for four days, kill their gods. So everywhere they kill, kill their gods. That's what happened. You, you can see today in Haiti, one tragedy follows another. First, hundreds of thousands died, next thing hurricane, the next thing this, that. Already three or four different things happened there. Why? Number one source of evil in the world, all voodoo, witchcraft, worshipping idols, prostitution, no modesty. What do you expect? All negative in one place. That's why one tragedy follows the other. Even there, some of them, I saw a clip that they go in, the blacks over there in Haiti, they say God is very angry at us. And one of them even say why. They understand that it's negative what they do. All these kishufim, putting curses on people, black magic. It's a, it's a, it's a whole culture over there. You have, no, you have to understand, these things are effective. You can kill a person by making a magic on him. You can ruin his luck. You can, there's all kinds of things, taking hair, taking nails, putting nails, horrible things. And this is, this is negative energies in the life of people. The Gemara said that the Chachamim learned that wisdom of the black magic. How to release people that they put it on them, they release them. You know, in the times of the Chachamim, the Goim, they used to make a person freeze. If you want to walk, they can put a chaz shalom, a, a black magic on you, and you cannot move. You stand like this, like a statue. They are the only one who can release you. The Chachamim learned, the Gemara said that one time a Jew went to the Bet Merchatz. The mikveh was for Jews and non-Jews. Why? There's no showers at the house. It was a, it was a public shower. Everybody goes and take a shower, pay some money, and go. That's how it was. And they put fire, they take pieces of tree. Someone owns the place. So the Jew went into the water. There was one, uh, one guy over there, Mekashef. When the Jew came to come out of the water, he froze him. He cannot move. Then Chachamim came in, they saw the guy is enjoying the water, and the Jew is frozen on the stairs like this. So the Chachamim knew what he did. So the Chachamim, when they waited until the guy comes, and they have a door. How do you call the doors that goes around, like in the airport? Revolving door, revolving door. Just when the guy came into the revolving door, they made him also freeze, because they also knew the tricks. So now everyone who comes from the other side, he pushed the door, boom, it bangs to his face. So the guy said to them, scream, he can talk, but he cannot move. He said, release me. They say, you release the Jew first, we release you. That's how it was. It's crazy how the world was. You know, we, we hear it, we think, <laughs> this is all fairy tales. But this is in the Gemara. The Gemara describes every day's life. They can take a person and turn him into a donkey. They can make a person lay in the air. Even in India today, they can do some of these things. I had a Hevruta in Yeshiva before he became religious. He was in India for a few years. He said in his own eyes, he saw one Indian Mekashef making a statue eat yogurt. Brings yogurt with a spoon. Hundreds of people standing like this. He's, he's speaking a few words in Indian. Umba la bumba, ichigdana, ichigdana, maharishi. 
the statue, eat it. And everyone goes like this. Like, yeah, it's, it's no explanation. It's, I don't know how to explain such things. They do all these dirty tricks. That's called kishufim. So the Gemara continue. Before we finish, the Gemara says like this. There are four reasons in the world why there is an eclipse to the sun. Why Hashem is upset at the world. Why? The head of the Jewish court, a big chacham, is in charge of the judges. He died and they didn't make him the correct eulogy, according to his honor. Eh, they did it, but not so much respect to him. Not, uh, it's the funeral wasn't so great, whatever. Someone raped a woman in the city when people passing by. If it's in a field, she can scream until tomorrow, nobody will hear. But she's screaming and people hear it, but they're afraid to come to help. Like it's, it's happening today. People are afraid even to call the police. They pretend they don't see. For that, it brings tragedies to the world. Homosexuality brings a lot of tragedies to the world. That's why San Francisco in number one is in earthquake, number one in the world. It's not a coincidence, because that's what happened over there. And it's also affecting the animals. That's the place in the world that animals have same sex relationship more than any other place in the world. Why? Because the behaving of people, when they're corrupted and rotten, it's affecting the whole nature. And among it, they affect the animals. You can go. I, re I read the research about it. Scientists don't understand how in San Francisco all of a sudden chimpanzee had a boyfriend. Why? Because Chris is a friend of Steve. So the chimpanzee has a boyfriend. That's what he sees. It's a fact. It's not that the monkey went and learned what their sins that they do and he wants to do the same thing. It's affecting the air. You know, in Hebrew, every word is brilliant because it's the language of Hashem. How do you say air in Hebrew? Avir. How do you say atmosphere? Avira, avira. Avir, avira. Avir, avira. Avir is air that you breathe, oxygen, whatever it's in the air, you breathe. Avira means atmosphere. Wicked people contaminate the air that when other people breathe it, it affects them to become wicked. That's why when the Satan comes to destroy a city, he kills the righteous people with the wicked people with them together. What are you doing here? Don't you know the hair affecting you and bringing you down? You want to live in Las Vegas? I have a friend who's trying to become religious, going up, going two steps up, three steps down. Tomorrow, three steps up, two steps down. Ten years he's stepping in the same place. He really means well. He's also a very nice person. But, you know, means very well, success not so much. So he's crazy about Las Vegas. I'm dying to go back to Vegas. I had a nice house there, life was this, life was that. I'm thinking to myself, there's one thing, a person wants to go to the wrong direction. What is the problem? That's one problem. What makes it worse is that a person is not even aware of his situation. That's the problem. Living in the exile, living in New York and enjoying here, the part that you enjoy makes the scene worse than liking it. I remember many years ago, somebody told me, why don't you move to Yerushalayim? 
So I told him, you know why? I like my life in, uh, in America. Everything is fine, you know, very good. So I say, you see, I feel bad for you, not only because you live in the exile, because you enjoy it. For that, I cry for you. You understand? That's like the Ramchal said, there are two kinds of people. They both live in the dark. So I define them as two kinds of people. One just realizes in the darkness. The other one still does not know. The one who does not know, life is great. <laughs> the cancer is growing in his body, and life is great. Smoking a cigar, playing golf. The other one is crying nonstop. So we have a few more minutes until we finish. So what about Chabad House, they are in Shlichut. You know what Shlichut means? It's a messenger of the Rebbe to bring Jews closer to Judaism. Someone who is busy with mitzvah like this, he has more protection from the area. But ask every Chabad person if he feels that he reaches potential where he is compared to where he was before, when he was in Bnei Brak or Yerushalayim. He'll admit to you that no matter what, it's affecting him. It's affecting the chief rabbi on the world. It will affect everybody. There's no, nobody can escape it. So, two brothers that die in one day. Somebody murdered one, and he murdered the second one. Those are the four things that bring tragedies, that the clip come and then follows with some kind of a tragedy. And four things affect both the sun and the moon. People who testify false testimony in court. People who raise sheep in Israel and the sheep goes and steal grass from private territories. Like you have uh, grass for your own animals. Remember, it was a different world than today. The animals have food, only where you have food. They don't have food, they die. They, don't, they need food. So somebody else come with his sheep and eating the grass in your area, and tomorrow when you need to feed your sheep, you don't have. This is one that's called stealing. Someone who cut trees that have fruit. In Israel, you're not allowed to cut trees like this. And people who write all kinds of lies, what we call chizbatim, stories, belonies, things like this, this is it. Four things affecting Jews to leave, to lose their property to the authorities. Come the FBI, freeze his assets. Come the IRS, freeze his assets. Come the police, take away what he has. And many other examples. What's the reasons for that? People who have a, an agreement that they sign with someone, and that someone pay them in full the debt, and instead of reaping the agreement, they keep it. And then they come and say, hey, what about the money you owe me? Hey, I trusted you. I gave you the money. No, here, look, we have an agreement. Where, where did I sign that you pay me back for this? Al Malveberi beat Jews who charge other Jews' interest, eventually everything that they have will go to the government. And you see today how true it is. It happens to so many Jews. The jails are full of them. People who used to do these things, and the jail is full of them. People, They had an opportunity to scream, to say, stop. But they didn't. They could have stopped bad things that happened. People who announce that they donate, but they don't. I have plenty of those. 
Send me, Rabbi, send me a box of CDs. Don't worry, of course I'm going to make a donation. Put $100 in a box, pay another $20 shipping, send it to him. No donation, no baloney. That's what happened. Every week, almost the same story. Not that I worry. I did my mitzvah. Whoever sponsored the CDs is mitzvah. They're not doing me a favor. Wait until they see what opportunity they miss. They rip their hair off. They had an opportunity to help other Jews become religious, and they did not do it. Oy lahem yom adin. Trust me when I tell you. If you read what the Zohar says about it, all these people who listen, we even put a pop-up on a website about two weeks ago. We put a pop-up. Why? You know, a wake-up call. People maybe got used to listen to it for years for free. Everything is for free. They got used to it. So they say, you know what? Since we don't do any fundraising, we don't ask money from anyone, we don't want people to hate religion because of money, let's make a pop-up. Maybe it will wake up some good people to donate so that we can give other CDs for free. I don't know. Since we put it pop-up, not even $200 it rise in two weeks. <laughs> Where are you going? What's happening in this world? That's what's going on. That's what's going on, you understand? Postgate tzedakah, they announce, I'm giving, I will give. You know how much I gave? You know how many rabbis coming to me, Beloni? They give nothing to no one. For that, tragedies come to the world. One day the FBI come and take away everything they have. The best insurance policy against the authorities is what I just told you. You say that tzedakah and you give that tzedakah, not only in words. Four, four reasons destroying the properties of people. You have house, you have real estate, everything went down to zero. Bosses that do not pay their employees on time, cheat them on a commission, don't pay them the salary in the right day. Cheat them on a commission, it's a second thing. Do not pay on time is one thing. Cheat them, say, oh, what do you mean I owe you $1,000? No, 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 it's only 300 No, you didn't understand. You know, it's very common. They ask them for help. Come help us to clean the shul. Oh, I don't feel good today, but here, here is the number of my friend Moshe. He is, he is available right now. He's going to come and do it. Or they ask you to help. No, no, no. Here, ask him. He's rich. Who am I? He's, 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 he's go to this guy. People like this, their house one day is deceased. People that have chutzpah, gaseruach, arrogance, they disrespect people, they speak bad, they care, you know, gasut ruach. Those are the four reasons why a person can lose. So, you know, I want to finish with a story. We'll finish with a story. Speaking about the website, you know, I, I started my website, I think, by now, about seven years ago. And in the beginning, it was all audio. It wasn't the most professional in the world, because our goal was just to get the lectures on that people can download for free and more people become religious. You know, like they say in Hebrew, when you begin to taste the food, you become hungrier. And then I had an idea to start doing some videos. So then we opened a section for videos. Then after that, the, the Jewish guy that started the website for me with his wife, his name is Baruch, he moved to Florida as a tzaddik, a very serious tzaddik, this person with his wife. They, one day came to me, it was their idea. Without them, I don't know if I even had a website today. 
One day they came to me, they used to come to the lectures in Beth Gabriel in those days, seven years ago. They came to me and said, we made you. We made you a website. Not, are you interested that we will make you a website? Do you want us to help you in anything? They already went and did it. It's ready. It's all ready. Just give us the lectures and we put it on. How much they earned, these people, there's no end to the reward for what happened in the last seven years through this website. They have no idea. They already have a share in thousands of people who are Shomer Shabbos. It goes to their account every day, every mitzvah. For what? Maybe a thousand dollars of their time. How long it takes to make a website? I don't know, I'm not an expert. I'm just assuming. It's, it's a matter of a few hours of work. Okay. Then eventually, they are very busy people. They have to raise a family. I, my demand started to go higher and higher because I have more lectures, more people, comments. There's more to do now. Now the website needs someone to maintain it with more hours a day. Plus, I want an immediate response. If I want to call a person, I say, here is the lecture. I want them on today, the latest tomorrow. I don't want to wait a week because people are waiting for these lectures. I saw that, you know, now it needs new blood in the website. So I was praying to Hashem, please send me somebody in addition to them that can help them to do the job faster. So I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. I get one day a phone call for one Gentile that used to be a Christian. He started to listen to my lectures. And uh, he left Christianity. He realized it's all baloney. He's a very clever person. He's a computer expert. That's his job, running computer networks. And he said, I want to help you out. I want to redesign your website. I want to build things. I want to... He's on his own. It's all Hashem sends things to do. Say, I, I, less, I learned from your lecture that a goy can be righteous, a Gentile can be righteous by keeping the seven law. I dropped all the nonsense. I love God. I keep my seven laws. It's decent, honest, volunteer, love Jews. Perfect goy. Perfect. Goy like this has heaven. Many Jews do not have heaven. Mechalel Shabbos, they have other sins that they do. They have no share to the world to come. He has Olam Abba, for sure. Now he made the deal of his life. He made the deal of his life. That's exactly what I was praying for. I saw from Shamaim, Amash, right after I started to pray for it, Hashem sent me a volunteer. He took control on the website and renovated the whole thing. He made it with comments. It works better, faster. He invested all kinds of ideas. And also donates money from his pocket to make CDs to give to Jews. Jews hardly wants to help. Not, you beg them, they give me a little bit. He wants to give, and a lot, from his money for Jews to become religious. On top of everything, one day he says to me, if you ever have problems with your computer, you know, computer stuck, freeze, broken, I can enter to your computer and fix all your problems. Believe me, put tons of time in my computer that break, this one or the one at home, everything, of course, for free. But this is why I'm telling you this story for this. A few days ago, he calls me up. He said, my son's nephew is a, is a goy boy. His name is Holyfield. I think he's nine years old. The doctor saw he has, he has headaches. They made an MRI. They saw that he has a tumor in his brain. Lo aleno. I told you it's an epidemic, all this cancer, everywhere you go. One MRI, two MRIs. If I'm not mistaken, two or three times they checked. Last week, 
He calls me up, he says, tomorrow he has a surgery in his brain to remove the tumor. I don't have to tell you what's going on with this kind of surgery. You either come out or you don't. Can you say a prayer for this boy? So me, I have, a, a, a being, one of the things that the Torah educates us is to be grateful. person that helps so much, you owe him gratitude. Of course, I wrote down the name of the boy. And I made a special prayer for him, and I made that night's lecture for the health of that boy. And I knew that if Hashem will decide to make a miracle, it's thanks to this guy, his name is Chad. Not thanks to the, the lecture is important, the prayer is important, but thanks to his merit. Because the Torah is like this. When someone that is dear to you is about to die or to become sick, if you don't deserve the suffering, he gets saved thanks to you. That's how it works. First, Hashem check all the relatives, all the people who are going to cry. If one of them do not deserve to get it, the person stay alive. Which means if he died and everyone cried, they, they deserve to get this crying. If not, the innocent, they wouldn't get the crying. It's interesting. It's not like the court here, somebody has to go to jail, the kids are crying, the judge, he cares. But you had to think about your kids. You're going to 20 years in prison. By Hashem, it doesn't work that way. So I told him, okay, God willing, we'll pray for him. The next day, in the evening, I was curious what happened with that boy. Called him up. He said the procedure went well. What does it mean, went well? Went well, he's back on his feet. Went well, they remove it, not remove. Then, I think two days ago, he calls me up. He said, I want to tell you something. Now, this is not a person that's imagining things. This is a very solid, smart person. It's not a baloney here. Word is a word. He said to me, the next morning, I didn't know the details, but now I'm calling to tell you. They, the, the boy went into the surgery. Before, the, before they start the surgery, the doctors plans how to do, what to do. They made a one last find. They injected some kind of ink some kind of fluid that it goes in a system that they see where the tumor is blocking the circulation, and from there they know how to do. I'm not a doctor, but I'm telling you what he was explaining. When they did the final test, the doctors couldn't understand what's going on. Where is the tumor? They bring another one and another one. They check again. The tumor gone overnight. After that night's lecture, the tumor gone. I'm saying this lecture in a website. And I know he's going to watch it tomorrow, because he's putting the lecture on the website. So I cannot tell you baloney. I will be embarrassed to put him on the phone if I'm telling his story. So you know 100% this is how it was. This is how it was. The tumor is gone against all odds. There was, wasn't even, I don't know, 1% chance that something like this can happen overnight. The tumor? Cancer in the brain? It's gone by itself? No. When Hashem is happy from you, whether you're a Jew, you're a Goy, you do what Hashem wants you to do, based on the expectation He has from you, everything will work out. The problem is that we not always do what Hashem wants. And later we have to cry and sweat to correct. Bezrat Hashem will see you next Wednesday, uh, next Wednesday. And also, like I said, on Monday I have a lecture, 175-03, 73rd Avenue, every Monday. Thank you very much. 8.30. All the lectures, 8.30. Thank you.